Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we're going to first talk about some news of the day. Mainly our focus will be on ESPN's new FPI projections that have the Wisconsin Badgers rated very high. So we're going to go into kind of what that means, uh, explain kind of what FPI is for people that don't know, and then kind of discuss uh, what we think of the Badgers making a pretty surprising uh, spot in the early by ESPN. Uh, after that, we're going to talk into some other news. Uh, there's been some news about team activities up back a little later, and then a couple other articles. And then in the back half of the show, we're going to dive into our returner player profile uh, for the 2020 season. Essentially, if you guys haven't seen it on the website already, uh, we are covering each player back for the Wisconsin football team, kind of a each player getting their own individual post, going through. We're going to touch on that as well on the podcast, kind of hit you um, a few different ways on that. Uh, and we're going to go into our first three that have been published and, and go with that. So I think there's plenty of football to talk about on today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. It's uh, beautiful today, so I'm actually hoping to go a little golfing this afternoon. So I'm kind of pumped. And how are you doing? I know you're kind of in the midst of a move. Yes, yes, we are getting packed up uh, for a move, so that's going to be my afternoon, so we're knocking this out early. Um, exciting, because I'll be moving to the Madison area, so we'll be getting uh, a little closer to, to Camp Randall, a little closer to Madison, which is always fun, so we're excited, and now it just comes the not-so-fun part of getting everything packed up and getting the apartment cleaned and, and that nine yards, so not necessarily looking forward to doing all that, but it'll be uh, worth it in the end as we get uh, get up to the uh, Madison area. So exciting, exciting. And uh, I am I'm definitely jealous of you getting out on the golf course because I have not been out there yet. Uh, and these, this last weekend was a great uh, weekend for it, but I did not get out there. So Yeah, no, I'm really pumped going with uh, a buddy of mine. So it should be there good. We go. There we go. Well, let's dive into our news uh, of the day. Uh, the first one that I wanted to talk about, and we'll talk about this at a little bit in length, is ESPN's FPI uh, projections that they updated and released. And uh, before we get into where the Badgers are and everything like that, uh, do you want to walk through kind of what FPI is for maybe some listeners that don't know or haven't really uh, looked into it before? Yeah, sure. I mean, the power it's the power index is what it, is what it's called. Um, but basically what they do is they go ahead and they're trying to figure out you know, back teams based off of this. Um, and, and you know, in this case, when they're going ahead and they're using the college football rankings and trying to figure out contenders at this juncture, I mean, it's all just uh, kind of a crapshoot. But what they're doing is they're taking into account um, who you're going to play, what your team looks like, how much you're returning in terms of your production, uh, and also looking at, okay, um, what's your path look like and what's – the probability that you can make the playoffs. And and so it, it's not a perfect algorithm to figure out. You know, I, I think there's other ones, but it, it's another data point that can be used um, as a predictor going to, into this season. Do you want to add anything more to that? 
Yeah, no, I think that's a good explanation of it. I, I think it's it's good to note that it's not necessarily a – I think that you hit the nail on that. It's not a perfect system, but, and it's not necessarily a ranking. It's just more so looking at, you know, if you're going to put together the top 25 in your in terms of your best team, it's not necessarily that. It, it, it kind of evaluates, like you said, the schedule – um, what you look like uh, in terms of your path non-conference, whether you've you've got, you know, the things like a returning quarterback, like Jack Cohn certainly helped Wisconsin. Things like uh, a coach returning and not having a coaching change certainly helped Wisconsin. Of course, uh, a lot of returning production on both sides of the football uh, helps Wisconsin. So it's not necessarily a rankings of this is the best team, this is the 25th best team, this is it's more so taking everything to account and trying to be more of a predictor. And I, I think it's a good system. I think there's some some pros and cons of it, but it's definitely something that I think you can look at, at in terms of data and say, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. And it's not always correct. Of course, nothing is and when you're talking about rankings and, and stuff like that. But it's a good system to kind of go off of as you head into this season. And I think uh, a lot of people buy into FPI. Uh, some people don't, some people do, but it is a pretty good system that ESPN's put together to kind of, give them a baseline to look at as you go into the season. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's, it's, like I said, it's another data point that can be used. Um, you know, analytics are all around, and it's been something that is being used now to talk about the game uh, in a more detailed and thought, thoughtful way. Um, you know, in the end, it it's, it's, has nothing to do with actual going out and playing football. So um, this is all conjecture, but at the same time, it is a good talking point for um, people like us. Most definitely, and it's exciting because, as we mentioned, we, the Wisconsin Badgers are pretty high, and they're actually they come in on the, the latest FBI update at fourth in the country behind Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. So, pretty high praises for the Badgers. Uh, like we said, there's some things that definitely go into it that that they like about Wisconsin. But what do you make of Wisconsin being so high in terms of being ahead of some some pretty powerful programs like Georgia, LSU, uh, and, and teams like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely uh, warranted just because Wisconsin is returning a lot. They've got a, a, a decent schedule, a decent path to get there, and I think that's what actually leads to them being ranked fourth is probability. Um, you know, they have a 33% chance of making the playoff according to this um, metric. You know, you but then you look at Clemson and they've got an 81% because their their path to get there in going through the ACC is pretty – pretty easy. They, they can probably sleepwalk through and get in um, as long as they don't lay a, a colossal egg uh, during the season. Ohio State is a 64% chance in front of Wisconsin and Alabama 59. So it's saying that those three um, are, are really likely at this point to, to make the college football playoff. And it, it's really just throwing darts for the fourth position. Um, you know, you look at Wisconsin, Georgia, LSU, Penn State, Oregon, Oklahoma are all kind of in the same area. Um, which makes sense because those are the teams that are kind of vying for it and have consistently been winners for a while now. Um, but I think what gives the Badgers their that spot is because Wisconsin has the one of the easier paths to win a division and get to the Big Ten championship. So I think it's kind of misleading in, in some ways in my mind. While I think Wisconsin, you know, it'd be great. I really want to see them punch through and make it to the the playoff some point. Um, it, it's it's also just a numbers game uh, that Wisconsin, if they win the West, they're going to be going up against, you know, either Ohio State or Penn State in the, the Big Ten Championship. At least those are the two teams I think that will get there um, and have 
a shot to go to the playoff if if they're able to squeak through the regular season with one win or no losses. I mean, uh, one loss or no losses. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think it's it's certainly interesting. I don't know. Um, I I think misleading is a, is a good word for it. Not necessarily saying that you know we expect much different from Wisconsin, but I think in a way I I don't know if the Badgers are necessarily the fourth best team, but I think returning production with what they've got and the schedule it sets up pretty nicely for the Badgers and hopefully if if they can come into the season and and hopefully this is just something that we can talk about they don't think about because we know what's been what's happened uh the last time Wisconsin was highly rated in terms of rankings or polls this is a little different than that but I'm I'm excited to see I think it is warranted that the Badgers are up there they've they've proven what they've got coming back they've got a lot of returning production they've got a schedule that they can make it happen but at the end of the day you're still going to have to go out and, and make it happen on the football field but I think it is a confidence booster for a fan base coming into the season that you know it's not just you know it's not something that us fans are looking at this team expecting more it looks like around the country that a lot of people are expecting Wisconsin to be good and that's saying something when you lost some pretty big players and you know and Jonathan Taylor Quintus Cephas guys like that so that's just kind of saying that they still expect this team to be pretty solid despite the departures this season. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's get into that a little bit further because clearly there, there's something that Wisconsin likes. So is there anything that you – or that FBI likes about Wisconsin? Is there anything that you think really jumps out that is as besides maybe the schedule that has made Wisconsin, uh, you know, give them a strength and a boost up to have such a high, uh, you know, ranking in the FBI? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's twofold. I think – First and foremost, the consistency that Wisconsin has had, you know, two years ago when they kind of fell off and, you know, came in with similar high hopes like this, um, they most of that was off-the-field-related garbage that kind of derailed them in a lot of ways. Um, and, and since this year, I don't, I don't see that happening, at least in the crystal ball right now. I can't predict that. Um, but what one thing is the defense, I think, is going to be – very good. Last year, you saw a really good Wisconsin defense. Um, I, I expect the defense to really not take a step back. I know Wisconsin's losing its top two playmakers in Zach Vaughn and Chris Orr, but you're bringing everybody back from that with a um, with really some some young guys who are who are emerging. You know, you've got a guy like Keanu Benton in the inside who's really talented and really kind of pushing that defensive line to even improve greater. You've got a lot of um, senior leadership um, and upperclassmen in that area um, as well with, with Garrett Rand and Isaiah Loudermilk. And the secondary is, is is very deep. You've got guys like Eric Burrell who's been around for a long time. He seems to be around the football um, all the time as well. So I think you look at it, if Wisconsin can, can figure out kind of replacements for those two positions, I think they'll be in great shape. I think Mike Mascalunas or Leo Chanel are going to be great fits in there. I think whichever one wins that inside linebacker battle um, next to Jack, Jack Sanborn are, are, are going to be fine. I think um, whoever wins the outside linebacker position opposite of Noah Burks is going to be fine. I think Wisconsin's defense is really the thing that gives them a boost and keeps them in this conversation. You throw in Jack Cohn, a senior quarterback, and, and four senior wide receivers, and you've got you've got the recipe for success. You're returning a, a big chunk of your offensive line as well. So 
I, I think they're in a in an okay position as long as they're able to make sure that the running game um, can thrive and that uh, they're able to to make some plays on the outside. Um, so I think I think while it it seems a little high in my estimation, it's definitely one of those things where I understand the um, the projection um, in a certain way because of everything that Wisconsin has and what they've kind of demonstrated over the past up teen years. Yeah, I agree with you. I think when you look at this team, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to compare it to past Badger teams. I think it's going to be a similar group to the 2016 team, uh, the Cotton Bowl Championship, a, t- a team that it, it had some decent outputs on offense at times. It, it struggled at some times, but the defense bailed them out of a lot of situations. And I'm not saying bailed out as in a negative towards the offense, but you, you could rely on the defense and you could play that game of, okay, it's we, we don't have to be as aggressive offensively, which we've seen in the in, you know this past season with Paul Chris having Jonathan Taylor and being a little bit more aggressive at, in times. I, I think this next year you'll, it'll kind of be a little different where you're going to be able to, you know, we're going to say, okay, we're going to punt because we've, we're confident in our defense that they're going to come out and get a stop, which is a lot what that 2016 team did. I mean, that defense, and even the years before that, there was before Jonathan Taylor, essentially, the, the Badgers relied heavily on having a really strong defense and an offense that could give you enough, work the clock, score enough points to win you a football game. I think it's going to be a lot similar to that uh, this upcoming season, and, and hopefully the offense is, you know, takes a step beyond that and, and finds players that can make plays in the Kia Watson uh, and in the receiving core, and, and hopefully Jack Cohn improves, and maybe you have an even better offense than what you're thinking. So I agree. I think maybe the Badgers are a little high, but at the same time, I, I think it's a warranted projection where you can see the pieces to make the argument for this claim, and now it's just going to be a matter of, okay, you see it on paper. Can they can they put that on the field and, and make something of it? But it's definitely exciting to think of the possibilities if a few key pieces and key spots come together. If you look in, in, in those playoff prediction odds, you have LSU at 24%. They're basically saying they have a one-in-four chance to make it. And, and they just lost 14 guys that were drafted in the NFL, throw in a few more that went undrafted like like Moss. And, and there's no way that they're going to be a 24% chance when they're having to go up against LSU, Florida, uh, Georgia, and, all, all on, and Texas A&M, all of which who are also in this um, band of teams. So it's one of those things where – Yes, they're they're going to hedge their bets and put some teams up here because they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, there's always teams that kind of pop up. Like I could see Louisville having a really good year. Do I think that they're going to pop up and into this mix? No, but they're going to hedge their bets and go with teams that they think are consistent and that they're close to breaking through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So one other thing I wanted to ask about uh, – the on the FPI there was the percent chance that they win the division and I believe the Badgers were let me double check here I believe they were the third highest behind yeah behind Oregon and uh, Clemson of course at 93 percent chance to win the division it, it, that one should be probably closer to 100 but what do you make of the Badgers being uh, essentially overwhelming favorites in the West despite some teams like Minnesota like Iowa, maybe getting better, but it still seems like, according to at least FPI, that there's still a pretty big gap uh, in terms of where the West is going to go. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in all honesty that makes a lot of sense. I think you're seeing teams kind of cycle up, like you saw Minnesota. They're in a good place. They just lost a huge chunk of their defense. They just lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their second-best wide receiver in Johnson. So 
I understand it. You also have to look in the scheduling, which goes into this a lot of times. Wisconsin's the safest pick for a lot of projections to go with because they've consistently put it put it on the tape. You know, Minnesota I think is is doing better. They're recruiting really well right now. They're they're doing some nice things. But you pair their defensive losses with the fact that they have to go to Camp Randall, and I I, I don't know how you can sit there and say yeah that's going to be the team that's going to beat them. Iowa is is probably a team that you could look to as well, but they're looking to replace Nate Stanley, and they also have a really gauntlet of a schedule as well. So, And I don't think Nebraska's uh, a team that you really need to worry about yet. So I just think it's one of those things where Wisconsin has a really good shot to come out of their division, and that's a big reason for why um, they're so high in a lot of rankings is – you know, the talent level, but a big part of it is also just they're going to have a shot to take on Ohio State or Penn State and a berth to go to the playoff. Yeah, exactly. It's going to set up very similar to a couple seasons ago when the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State where they came in, uh, win and, and win and you're in, essentially. And, of course, they lost that Big Ten Championship game in, in a heartbreaking fashion. But I know Ohio State's going to be the team that is, is definitely the the high expectation to get there. and I think Wisconsin is going to be the high expectation to get there, but at the same time, it's one football game, and maybe you win that game and you make that jump into the playoff. It's just a matter of, of getting through that and, and getting to the Big Ten title game and then seeing what happens. So it's it's exciting. Uh, I was a little surprised by some of the West rankings because actually Northwestern was, the uh, I believe, the third highest rated team in the West division. They were up there pretty high at 25, so... Uh, maybe some dark horses to challenge the Badgers, but an interesting, interesting uh, group uh, of teams in that West Division. Any other team really jump out to you in terms of the FBI as maybe too high or too low? I, I already kind of touched on it with LSU. I think they're they're you know kind of a, a, a coin flip um, team that could be in there, but at the same time they have to reload so much talent. They have they have talents as well, but but Alabama just returns a whole heap. Um, against them, and I think it, it's going to be tough for them to go ahead and return to do what they did this past year when you've got Auburn, you've got A&M, you've got uh, Georgia, you got Florida, all, all vying for that as well. I just don't see them being able to reload so quickly um, t- to do that. Um, and, you know, I was also surprised to see USC up there, but you also – that's, once again, them just saying, hey, this is a team who has a lot of talent if they can put it together. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the LSU one was definitely one that jumps out when you think about all that they lost. It's going to be, and, you know, you're, again, we're talking about schedule a lot. You're going through a gauntlet of an SEC schedule. Even in your non-conference, you've got Texas, who's up there, too, and that was the team that I was going to kind of touch on. It's it's kind of, you know, USC, Texas, not so much Florida anymore. They've kind of backed it these last few seasons, but you usually get the USC, Texas, um, Notre Dame sometimes that are, very high in these projections and maybe disappoint compared to where they were expected. So mine is essentially we're going to do this Texas is back thing again, but I don't know if, if that's necessarily there. I know Oklahoma is replacing some big pieces again this season, but at the same time, it's it's just I, I don't buy it quite yet until I actually see it. So those are some of the teams that jump out. It's the teams kind of every year that are in that. You know, we're going to rank them high, and, and they're going to be high expectations preseason, and then maybe they fall off. So I'm I'm interested to see how how this will you know the snapshot of the FBI rankings now will will change as we go and as we see kind of some results on the field and, and that's of course hoping that we're getting a full season of college football but uh, we won't dive into that too much. 
Um, some other things we wanted to talk about. The Big Ten announced today that uh, everything, team activities would be pushed back until June 1st. So not really a surprise, not anything that we probably didn't expect to happen, um, but it is a formal announcement that things are going to be pushed back until June 1st. So, Matt, what do you make of, of that change and that announcement uh, by the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, in in a in a major way, it doesn't change a whole lot. You know, I, I think it was coming. You, you could, like you said, it's it's something that we had to anticipate was going to be coming. I think it's the safe move uh, given uh, COVID nineteen right now. But at the same time, it, it's just it's showing that hey, they're backing this up. They're really going to be wanting to get football because <laughs> just for uh, monetary reasons, the Big Ten and every other conference is going to want that and. Um, I think as of this point, it, it just makes too much sense to back it up. It was only basically they backed it up a month, so they're going to revisit it on June 1st, and I would anticipate it probably gets bumped back again. Um, uh, but at the same time, you never know. Things are changing so rapidly within COVID-19 that you who really knows that or is able to see uh, into the foreseeable future at this juncture. Yeah, it's it's something that, like you said, I don't think anybody is surprised by it. Uh, we all kind of expected that to, to happen. I know it's just more, maybe more making it formal and making it so people can plan for beyond that if if they get to that point. I'm 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 thinking it's of course the right move, but I think it's also the the safe move that we can just sit back. We have until essentially another month. Uh, to make a decision further, and a lot can change in a in, in a month. I know we've we've had some changes that have kind of gone against sports and college football, of course, over the last few months. But things I know some states are starting to open back up, and it's still going to be a while before we're getting into big crowds. But uh, it it it's definitely a a safe play, the smart play to essentially sit back. We've got now another essentially 30 days or so to uh, you know, weigh our options, see how things go, and then you can kind of make an informed decision from there. But I wouldn't be surprised uh, if if something gets pushed back again because it's still um, a, a very fluid situation as we go forward. Let's talk about uh, our one final piece of news that we wanted to talk about. It was actually an article uh, similar to the ESPN uh, by Seth Galina, Pro Football Focus, which kind of talked about some hidden gems of the 2020 college football season in terms of players who they thought might be underrated. And Jack Cohn was actually – a part of that. So what do you make of that article? Do you think uh, that's an accurate assessment of uh, our QB1 as we head into this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fairly accurate in what he's saying. You know, I, I like the fact that he talked about, um, you know, that that Wisconsin ran over 90 snaps in four different personnel groups. You know, when you compare that to LSU had two, um, it, it tells you just how multiple the Wisconsin passing attack is and kind of how it is a very pro style. Um, I, I think oftentimes Cone is undervalued. Um, at times, Mertz is, is going to be a really talented player, and I think I, I'm really looking forward to and hoping that they have a competition in the fall. But I think that's a testament to just how talented Mertz is and not necessarily a knock on Cone, because I think Cone is a guy who we talked about it in our last podcast, that he's a guy you could look at as a potential late-round pick uh, in, in next year's draft if he has a good year. You pair that with, hey, he's got four really talented um, senior wide receivers behind or, uh, coming back, and as well as Jake Ferguson, who I think is by far the most talented of his re- receiving options. And 
you know, he, he could be in line for a good year if, if Wisconsin tries to air it out a little bit more with him and, and really relies on what he can do as long as he's just efficient. And, you know, in the article they talk about him being a little bit more consistent where, um, you know, pro football focus just goes through in grades based off of um, how you do in a given week. And, you know, he really struggled against Northwestern, but as well as, you know, sometimes in the first Ohio State game and other games. But, other than that, he was he was pretty consistent in terms of getting um, guys the ball. I do want to see him stretch the field a little bit more, but I I think he's a guy who is undervalued a lot. So it makes sense for Galena to in, include him in this list in my eyes. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he is. Uh, I know everyone's going to have their opinion, of course, on the quarterback position, but I like I like what I saw from Jack Cohn last season, and I think the, the big thing for me was that despite, yes, he had some struggles, he had some inconsistencies, he got a lot better from the year before. I know uh, the season before he was thrown in and pulled out with Alex Hornibrook, and, and and that definitely made it harder. But I think he came out the following season and, and took control, had some really good games, had some really good moments where now if you can hopefully put this together and, and get better this offseason and you come in as a senior and hopefully you're a little bit better even from where you were last season. So Everything is setting up for him to have a big season. It's again, you know, similar to the FPI conversation. It's more so about okay, you know, on paper we can see it. We've seen some good things. Now let's go out and do it. And I think that's going to kind of be a testament uh, for this Badgers team all season. Um, anything else you want to touch on news-wise? Otherwise, we can uh, start to dive into our player profiles. No, I think that does it for for most of the news. I think we're going to talk recruiting later on in the week. That was kind of the only other thing that's really been going on, but we'll touch on that later. Most definitely. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our returnee profiles for the first three or so players for the Wisconsin football team. All right, guys, it's now time to talk some returner profiles. Like we said, uh, if you haven't seen it on the website already, go check it out. Um, But essentially what we're – doing is is going on for an overview that's kind of rolling out um, you know a, a preview for the returning profile players for each of the returning players uh, we're going to start today with Mason Stocky, Eric Burrell, Nakia Watson they're the first three that we've published um, so we've hit it on the website we're going to cover it a little bit on the podcast probably more in depth on the site um, but we're just going to kind of go through each of these three guys and, and we'll continue to do that as we publish more so what do you make, firstly, we'll get into Mason Stocky. He was the first one, I believe, published. Uh, what do you make of, of him as a returner for this 2020 season? I thought he came on as the season um, went along. He he kind of started off the year in, in a kind of a platoon situation with John Chanel, um, but then you kind of saw him take over those reins a little bit more. Um, you know, there was chatter after last year um, in the Miami game. You saw him throw that huge block and, you know, combo block that uh, went viral. And then you kind of saw his blocking ability continue to uh, improve as the year went on. But I think the area that I, I was really impressed by was what he did in the past game against Minnesota. Uh, he had some, some nice catches, one of them which was a diving catch in the snow. And I think he's the guy who, who just like a lot of Wisconsin fullbacks, is – is is really hardy. He's going to be able to continue to to pave the way for the other ball carriers. And and you know he came in as a you know three star recruit and and has kind of lived up to that bill. They thought of him as a linebacker, but Wisconsin has successfully been t- bringing in linebackers and turning him into fullbacks for years. So I think he's a guy that uh, is is only improving, and he's um, you know just another guy in the footbook of of great fullbacks at Wisconsin. 
Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, as you come into this season with, with him, of course he's going to open holes in the running game, but you saw also last year how they were able to work him into passing games with, with screens and, and swing passes, things like that. So he, he brings some diversity to the offense in terms of, of getting some other guys the ball. Of course, last season, Jonathan Taylor was the primary guy. You're trying to get him as many touches as you can because he was you know a top three player in college football, and you can make arguments for a couple others, but uh, Jonathan Taylor was probably the best player, and you wanted him to have the football as much as possible. This season, you're not going to have that, so you're going to come up with more creative ways. And Mason Stocky brings uh, an interesting fold, and I think, you know, Coming into this season, you might see it like we had a few seasons ago with Ingold and Watt and those guys, uh, where you might get them, you might get Mason Stocky some more carries this season uh, as you try to figure out creative ways to move the football uh, and and use the guys that you feel you can make a big splash with. So I think coming into 2020, Stocky's going to play a, a very important role, not only in in the passing game and the run blocking game and, and of course things like that, but I think he's going to be a creative fold of this offense. Yeah, I think definitely he he has the skill set as a former running back to help out, um, you know, in in that route, especially in short yardage needs. Yep, he's going to hopefully be plunging some in uh, in that hippo package. You know, I can't imagine Mason Stocky running behind uh, the hippo package would be a uh, a scary sight to see for opposing defensive line and linebackers. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of his running mate, uh, the next one that we actually published just this morning uh, that was written up by you uh, was for Nakia Watson. So. Coming into this season, he looks like he's going to be the, at least right now, running back one. He, he's got every opportunity ahead of him, but what do you make of Nikia Watson's season last year, and how do you think that will translate uh, into this season? Yeah, I mean, I thought overall he played pretty well, ran for over 300 yards uh, on on a handful of carries, ran for for over four yards a carry. Um, you know, I think he's he's a guy who uh, will continue to improve the more carries he gets. Uh, he, he is extremely strong, extremely low to the ground. He can really push the pile. Uh, I talked about it in the article today that I remember in practice watching him just freaking bulldoze over Leo Chanel in a one-on-one drill, and it was just – it was a thing of beauty. And the, everybody on the team just went nuts when they saw it. So he's got the strength that can do that. You know, he seems to always fall forward. You want to see him continue to, to improve that burst because he is a really talented back, That, but I think they're going to use some other guys as well. So I, I don't necessarily know if he's going to – I think he'll get the most carries on the team, but I think there will be other guys nipping on his heels to get carries. I, I really am high on Isaac Arendo and Julius Davis, and then you never know what Jalen Berger, what he can do. And then Garrett Groshek um, will still be getting – uh, his fair share of touches um, as the third down guy and, and usually as a pass protector. So I think Nakia is definitely a kid who's improved, and I think that year really helped him. I know JT was really high on him. John Settle's been really high on him. So hopefully if he can continue to uh, Im- improve uh, this offseason and, and just really take over next year because there's, uh, you know, I talked about there's over 300 carries available for to spread out along that uh, running back room, and he's definitely going to be a guy who can benefit from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to be a guy that is going to have every opportunity to take a good chunk of those carries uh, if he takes advantage of it. You know, you're probably not going to run the ball as much as you did with Jonathan Taylor. I think that's, A, a combo of Jonathan Taylor being gone, but also, B, I, I think the coaching staff really likes Jack Cohn. They like the receiver, so maybe they're going to throw it a little bit more. Uh, 
I personally think they're going to, that that they're going to look to pass the ball more, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes Wisconsin gets a little shied away from, from having a balanced attack. So maybe there's not as many carries, but I, it's definitely an option for Nakia Watson, and he's going to come out into whenever they get into practice, probably as the lead guy. But like you said, there's a lot of guys in the mix uh, that, that can work with him, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because this last season – in these last three seasons, you've seen predominantly Jonathan Taylor. You've seen Garrett Groshek get worked in on third down as, like you said, you're passing uh, back, your third down back. But this year you're going to have a, a combo of, of guys that other teams are going to have to prepare for. Of course, it's hard to prepare for Jonathan Taylor, but it's not it's not easier to prepare for five different running backs when you can we can you could probably make an argument and throw those guys in there. So I think Nikia is going to definitely, like you said, have the uh, option and, and probably get the most carries if you looked at it just right now. Uh, but I think this this group, while I know there's some doubters uh, of them, and of course there's got to be doubters when you have to replace Jonathan Taylor, but I think as we keep going and talking about this group, I'm, I'm getting more excited and feel more confident in them just because there's a lot of talent in that running back room. Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, I'm just I'm interested to see it because uh, you know we've we've seen him in small doses. Uh, I, I want to see what it looks like uh, in in a greater dosage. And you know some of those other guys. I mean, we haven't even seen what Julius Davis can do outside of you know a huddle tape and or watching him live in high school. It's 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 a whole different ball game when he's out there uh, if if he's healthy and able to to go. And I know Isaac Rendell can burn. And, and Jalen Berger can do has a really diverse skill set that could really help them out too. So I, I think the running back position is going to be really, really fun to watch. I think that's going to be an area that's even more um, interesting to watch than the quarterback position in my eyes just because John Settle has insinuated that they're probably going to use a, a little bit more of a committee approach, and I think – he, he's a guy who, who could really be a bruiser um, while you have a, another guy like Garendo who's a burner and, and just kind of see kind of how things unfold. Yeah, it'll be a nice little combo package of, of a few different guys trying to replace uh, the combo that Jonathan Taylor was, and I think you're going to have to come up with some creative ways and use different guys to do it, but hopefully they'll find a way to replace at least part of that production because the Badgers are certainly going to want to run the ball, and they're going to need to uh, with, with this group of guys that they got. So I'm excited to see what this group can do. I know we all love Jonathan Taylor, but he's, he's on to the Indianapolis Colts, and now we get to see uh, some opportunities for some new guys, which is always exciting. All right, our final guy that we've touched on in the first part of the series, uh, the first three that we've dropped over on Bucky's fifth quarter, is uh, I, a personal, I think, a, a fan favorite for a lot of people probably one of my favorite guys on the team, and that's uh, Eric Burrell at safety, who came off a absolutely phenomenal season last year. Uh, came into the season kind of with a chip on his shoulder, a guy that maybe we saw getting worked into as a rotation guy and, and getting in there in different packaging. Uh, it was much more than that. He came out and had a great year. So what do you make of Eric Burrell as re- he returns for his 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's a guy who uh, was kind of overlooked early in his career just because of some of the older guys that were in front of him. But, you know, he, he's come into each season as not the guy anticipated to be the starter, and he's just kind of wound up making a huge dent. Last year, you know, Scott Nelson went down, and Burrell just kind of took over and didn't skip a beat. I thought he had a phenomenal year, and I think, you know, it, it's a good problem to have how, how many really talented safeties that are returning, but... I think Burrell just just brings something. He's got that it factor of he he's just around the football. Things good good things tend to happen around him. You know, uh, you look at I, I just put on the Instagram page last week the 
the um, one for Reggie Pearson. Reggie Pearson jars the ball loose, and who's there to pick it up? It's Eric Burrell. You know, Matt Hangston scores a touchdown. Who caused it? Oh, it was Eric Burrell. You know, he just makes plays. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's a guy who will be be having a chance to to push for time on an NFL practice squad or roster if he has another great year because he just like I said he, I don't know if it's luck or if it's talent I'm guessing it's somewhere in between but usually talent leads to luck um, he he just makes plays and things happen around him that are positive for the team so I think he's a guy who will definitely benefit from another year in the program and that the program will definitely benefit from having him. Right. I think that's a great way to put it, you know, um, is that plays just kind of happen around him. He's not, when you look at him, he's not the biggest guy. He's not a safety that uh, you're going to look at and think, oh, my God, just a pure intimidation factor. He's going to take your head off. Um, he's he's probably not the most athletic safety compared to guys across the country. You know, you look at LSU and Ohio State, the defensive backs that they turn out. Maybe he's not that in terms of, uh, you know, player profile. Like, if you were building a custom-built safety that you wanted, Eric Brell's probably not the guy that you're fitting in your definition. But despite all that, he's a guy that is just around the football, making plays, just being being in the right spot at the right time in terms of tackles, turnovers, everything like that. So while maybe he's underrated in terms of size and athleticism, things like that, he's a guy that's going to come out and make plays. And I know... This year with Scott Nelson returning, maybe there'll be some not necessarily limited playing time for either guy, but they're going to try and work them in because Scott Nelson, before he was injured, was a really good safety too. So I know the the roles might be a little different, but it's it's not a bad problem to have you know those three guys coming in. And I think if you're looking at Burrell in terms of a high, he could definitely be a, an all Big Ten player. He was honorable mention last season. And I think he could definitely make an all Big Ten team this season if he has a, a similar output of what he had last year. Oh, for sure. I mean, he, he's just – and he's, he's a great interview. He's a really, um, really humble guy. You know, when we were talking about – when I asked him going into the year what it was going to be like to, to potentially be vying for one of those starting spots, he was like, I just got to go make it happen and, and was totally just about trying to um, – do right and get everything going to help the team. So he he's a he flies around and he makes plays and that's all you can ask for is safety in Wisconsin scheme. Most definitely, yeah. The more we talk about you know Eric Burrell, Reggie Pearson, and and their entire defensive back group, the more I get similar to the running backs. The more we talk about them, the more I get excited. It's it's really something for me that uh, is is building in a big way. So I'm excited to see what this group. Uh, does next season as they enter in with a, a really strong secondary, and Eric Burrell will probably be the leader of it. Uh, anything else you want to touch on for the podcast today? Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll cut it loose. I think just a big thing is, you know, with our returner profiles that we're doing, you can kind of see it all. You know, we go ahead and we're having the article come out each weekday, um, but then we're also going to be talking about it here on the podcast. And then we're, we're doing the same thing on the Instagram, and we're uploading those within the articles but we're basically looking at uh, an underrated play or a, we're calling them hashtag UW winning plays that uh, these guys each have created last year that kind of give a glimpse into the type of player that they are and what they bring to the table for Wisconsin. So check out our Instagram uh, as, as well. If you're on, on Instagram and are interested in that, um, you know, it's kind of a, a deep dive into specific plays and more of the minutia of, the actual game and able to reminisce some of the stuff. Um, but other than that, uh, I, I got nothing. With, just go ahead, and if you guys want to 
like what we're doing, go ahead and put a five-star review on Apple. That always helps us to keep people knowing that, hey, we're, we're doing a good job. Uh, it's always good to get feedback. So um, appreciate you guys listening, and uh, I'll kick it to you, man. Yeah, I think you put it well. Uh, well. We're excited to, you know, I know there's no sports right now. Uh, I think this will be a good way to c- continue to fill time and, and not just bore you guys. We're talking about important stuff with this return of profiles and things like that, and we're hitting it from a few different angles, like Matt said. So uh, we're excited to, you know, keep talking about these guys as we get closer and closer to a hopeful full football season in the fall. But other than that, guys, thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. Thank you.